everyone, Anjanelle Crossley here. I am the HR director here at Relic, and guess what? We are hiring. If you want to work with some really awesome clients, like the ones you hear on this podcast, we would love for you to apply. We offer some great benefits and perks, but mostly you get to work with some of the most brilliant, creative, and best people around. You can email me directly at anjanelle at relicagency.com. Don't worry, we will include that in the podcast notes. So some of the positions we are currently looking for are a digital marketing manager, PR manager, UI designer, podcast editor, and a few account coordinators. We look forward to adding some awesome, fun, and creative people to our growing team. It's never too late to learn. We are in an industry that is constantly changing. And just always keep an open mind. Be a sponge. It's never too late to learn. Continue to learn. Continue to embrace new technologies. Embrace change. And just follow your passion. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Destination Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Stoker. We appreciate you listening with us today. We've got a great show. It's a recent friend of mine that I made at my CDME training that I've talked a little bit about on this show. Uh, we got to know, know each other briefly, and I, I actually recommended the, the podcast to him. He listened to a few, and I said, you know what? Let's get you on the show. So his name is Lance Woodworth, and Lance is the president and CEO of Destination Toledo. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Uh, it's a pleasure being on here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have you with us. Uh, I, I'd love to hear what your thoughts were uh, at the CDME training that we went to. What was the most you know, beneficial training maybe that you received there and, and what you think of the program overall? I'll give you a plug on this, too, because meeting you and being turned on to this podcast, I, I literally listen to this every time you launch a new one. So I, I'm a new fan, so it's kind of uh, cool being in this seat here. That's uh, kind of other, you to say, Lance. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, the bar the bar was pretty high in Dallas. You know, going after the CDME, I'm one with a growth mindset. I just want to keep learning, uh, be a sponge. We've got such great leaders in our industry. Uh, and everyone's so open to share. It's it just was a really great experience. I'm looking forward to uh, my next set of classes in Toronto this summer. Was that your first uh, session that that you had there in Dallas, or had you already started your program? No, Dallas was the first session that I had. I had some plans. Uh, then COVID hit and kind of backtracked everyone. You know, everyone's calendars. But uh, excited to get at it. Yeah, were you originally going to go to Banff in 2020? I was looking at that. Yes. Oh man, I was I was signed up and ready to go and just devastated that, that it got canceled. So hopefully they they take it back up there again. I hope so. But you know Dallas was great. Uh the program was just awesome down there, so it was nice to head to that side of the country as well. Great. Great. Well, it was great to meet you there and I I want everybody to be able to get to know you a little bit. You've listened to the show, so you know what's coming. Uh I'm curious, what's your dream destination, Lance? If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? You know, and I was thinking about this because I knew this was coming after <laughs> listening to this show, and uh, and I still don't have a good answer. But as I contemplated that, I realized that I'm more of a, a journey kind of guy rather than the destination. When I think back on some of those trips, it's always was who was in that crew that I took with me, the family or the friends. But all that being said, uh, and as I put more thought to it, I am more of a coastal water kind of guy. Mm. I've been in the Bahamas shark diving, uh, been down in the Florida Keys during lobster season, getting lobsters. So anything around the water or the coast uh, is kind of where I go. I love to fish. So probably a sport fishing trip 
down to Costa Rica, maybe Guatemala, Panama, somewhere in that area at a full service resort, get on a nice boat is what I'm thinking. Hey, I say we go together because I, I'm in the same boat as you. One, one of my favorite experiences was when I was in Fiji with my wife and they had one of the excursions was sport fishing and they were trolling and we caught mahi-mahi, we caught Spanish mackerel and, and it was it was amazing. So I'm in. You, you just tell me when and, and I'll head down to Costa Rica with you. Oh, we've got to do this. We're definitely <laughs> going to talk more about this. Let's do it. Uh, that that does sound like a lot of fun. Do you have any idea uh, timeline wise? Are you hoping to do it in the next couple of years, or is it is it still you know in the ideation phase? You know, the sooner the better. Uh, I think it would be great. I have a I have a seven year old boy. Maybe a couple more years under his belt, but to take him down with me would be a great uh, a great way. Again, who do I surround myself with on these trips? That what a great experience and a great memory for him to have as well. Oh, that that's an amazing memory with with your son. That that really would be awesome. I've got three little girls uh, and and a little boy, but uh, I, I've tried to take my girls deep sea fishing, and we all got sick, all of us. So <laughs> we may need to try try something else on my end because uh, I don't know that I've got the the family with the best sea legs. But um, <laughs> it, it was quite the experience. Well, Adam, I have four kids total too, so maybe this trip's getting bigger than we when we're thinking here. <laughs> yeah, now it's a convoy. <laughs> the journey will be great. Well, that's right. Well, Lance, you mentioned that you've done some fun coastal waterway trips. Uh, if you had to look back on one of your favorite vacations, and I'm sure it has to do with the journey and has to do with the crew that you went with, uh, what is one of those trips that stands out to you? You know, being from northern Ohio here, uh, we often look to the north for some of our trips. And when I was when I was younger, uh, going with my grandparents and my uncles, uh, we had a good crew of us that went up into Canada, into Ontario, and we took a bush plane 60 miles out from any kind of civilization, canoes strapped to the side of this plane. We had all of our gear dropped off. Two weeks later, they came to pick us up. Now, there was no phones, cell service. There was nothing back then. So this was when we were out in the middle of nowhere, we were out in the middle of nowhere. But the best memories from that and just fishing for two weeks straight was awesome. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like an amazing trip. So it's not a coastal waterway. It sounds like you were inland, but canoed for two weeks. What river was it? We were up on Lake Agoki. Um, we flew out in Nikina into Lake Agoki and traveled, uh, you know, in a lot of these inland lakes, you're either portaging from one to the other, or you go through some rapids to get to the other. I remember great fishing, great eating, and a lot of black flies. So oh, <laughs> a lot of insect repellent was put on because <laughs> we did this midsummer when we were up there, but just beautiful country. Oh, and, and sounds like the bugs may have been worth it. Definitely worth it. <laughs> Definitely worth it. But you know, you remember that group that you were with and uh, most of them are gone now. So it's just, I hold on to that memory so, so close to my heart. Oh, wow. What, what were you fishing for? What fish were you catching? Uh, walleye and Northern Pike uh, were the most popular up there. Yep. So I've never caught a walleye or a northern pike. I've caught a lot of the, the fish in the United States that you can catch, but those are two species that I have not yet targeted. I've had friends tell me that northern pike might be the most fun fish to catch. They, they definitely put up a fight. That You know, the table fare when you're eating the fish, walleye, can't, you can't beat that. Walleye is just such a great fish to eat. But that fight of the northern pike is, is one you won't forget. Oh, how fun. Well, awesome, Lance. Thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit and learn a little bit about your uh, travel plans and experience. 
uh, I, I want to dive in a little bit to your background and how you kind of ended up at Destination Toledo. So, yeah, I, you know, I come from the services side. Um, growing up here on Lake Erie, I had worked for one of the premier ferry boat lines in the Great Lakes, uh, high-speed ferry service operating out of Port Clinton, Ohio, out to the Lake Erie Islands. Uh, started as a crew member when I was 18 years old, but it really gets you on the front line of customer service, uh, the meeting and greeting folks, hearing a million different stories from everyone and just connecting with them that made me realize, hey, I, I really love this travel tourism industry. Uh, while I was at that company, I uh, got my captain's license and actually ran these 390 passenger boats across the lakes. Uh, that got me even more into travel and tourism and really liking that. Uh, graduated from Bowling Green State University in Ohio here uh, with my bachelor's degree in business. Uh, became general manager of that boat line. Uh, but then I took the blinders off and that's when I started working with our local DMO, Shores and Islands, Ohio, and was on their, on their board of directors. And uh, about three years ago, this position in Toledo became available and I threw my hat in the ring, uh, thought it would be nice to move to a bigger city and uh, just do more to help more people. And that was kind of my foray in, but it came from, you know, boots on the ground, working that front line of service. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you about uh, a little bit more about Toledo in, in just a moment. But one of the things that you mentioned is that you started as a stakeholder on the board, and that's where you kind of got opened up to the DMO industry. How did being on a board first prepare you for the role that you're in today? You know, that's a great question. Uh, it definitely helps you see things from a different perspective. Um you know, the questions that I had as a board member aren't necessarily the questions I have leading an organization, but it helps having that perspective uh, just where people are coming from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would imagine that, you know, as, as you're, the, you're the stakeholder, so you're the one hoping to get the benefit from the DMO, it probably really helps you in your role to understand how to structure and tell the story so that your stakeholders can feel that benefit. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you think of our DMO world, uh, it's a collection of great attractions, experiences, events, right? But when you're really close and you have the blinders up and you're just involved in one of those attractions or events or experiences, that's all you see. So it kind of becomes our job in the DMO world to say, hey, here we can take one plus one and it's going to equal six because we're all going to work together yeah. uh, and just be able to deliver that message. Um, and in my experience, kind of working both sides now uh, has really helped me understand that. Yeah, I, I would imagine that your holistic vision of, of what the DMO needs to accomplish has really been benefited by that experience. Uh, I, I wonder, you know, you're in Destination Toledo. It's, it's an interesting destination. For those that aren't familiar with it or, or haven't been there, could you give us a little bit of a rundown of what is Toledo, Ohio as a destination? So Toledo, Ohio, we're, we're located right on the southwest corner of Lake Erie. Uh, we're a major port uh, shipping city. Uh, we've got freighters that are coming and going. Most of them are running the Great Lakes, but we have some that run the world as well, taking a lot of grain that's, uh, you know, gotten here in the Midwest, right, and taken out to different ports of call all through the world. Uh, Toledo is named the Glass City. We've got a strong history of manufacturing glass and glass products that have come out of Toledo just due to our natural resources, our location, 
we are within a day's drive of 65% of the U.S. population. So our location is ideal for that as well. But we're also cutting edge with the glass technologies that go on in the epicenter of those technologies throughout the world, even today. But all that being said, we are kind of where a great you know, city meets the great outdoors. We have those great natural resources with Lake Erie. It's the walleye capital of the world, Adam. So we'll <laughs> have to get you down here to to try a little hand at fishing of these great walleye. I'm in. And we definitely want you here for that. But we also just have a great amount of, you know, urban experiences as well as getting out into the great outdoors. Very cool. Sounds like a well-rounded destination. I, I'm wondering, especially with the port opportunity that you have there and, and the, the shipping that, that comes out of that port, do you get many tourists that are, and this is just a curiosity for me, I mean, it's a question off the cuff, but do you get many tourists that are interested in learning about the, the shipping and transit that takes place there? You know, we do. You always have those avid ones that will come to town uh, just specifically for that. We are home to the National Museum of the Great Lakes, hmm. uh, where you can tour an actual lake freighter. Uh, we've got a about an 800-foot-long freighter tied up to the docks that you can go through in a tugboat and interactive exhibits within this museum. But, you know, you have the folks that come to town that don't realize until they start seeing these ships going up and down the river. And then they see the museum and, it's, you know, it, it opens up a whole new experience that maybe they weren't even anticipating. Yeah, I've got to imagine that's a unique uh perspective or unique attraction that that not a lot of destinations can offer that would draw a unique audience. So I, I find that interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So Lance, let me ask you, one of the things that I thought was really interesting when we talked about what we wanted to discuss on this show, I'm a big proponent, and it's, it's the reason that I asked you about your role previously as a stakeholder before you were president and CEO of Destination Toledo. I'm a big proponent of stakeholder engagement and making sure that you're providing tangible value to your stakeholders. And you use a product called Benwango that I've had on the show multiple times. I think it's one of the most valuable platforms uh, or vehicles for stakeholder engagement that's out on the market right now. So tell me a little bit about how you're using Benwango and maybe how it benefits you and your stakeholders. You know, I can't say enough good things about the Benwango platform of for us, what we did is we put together a couple different trails, uh, and one launched last June. It's been highly successful, but it's called the 419 Ale Trail, and 419 is our area code here in Northwest Ohio. So it allowed us to go regional outside of the normal county that we're promoting here in Northwest Ohio, but we could actually loop in about a dozen other counties with this 419 uh, area code. We went with its own branding, so we did not tie the branding to Destination Toledo. We wanted every other Convention of Visitors Bureau or Destination Marketing Organization to be able to grasp onto this product and use it to promote these great breweries, uh, distilleries, uh, wineries that are within their area and sell. And that was the thinking behind the 419 Ale Trail. And then it's gamified. It's fun. You know, you visit so many places, you check in, uh, you qualify for great prizes, and we do a huge drawing and party at the end of the year coming up in June. So that's an interesting thing that you did there, because I know a lot of people, as they're building a brand, they worry about fragmenting the brand too much. And so it's probably a challenging initiative to say, you know what, let's brand this thing on its own and separate it from the Destination Toledo brand. How did that decision come about? And, and tell me a little bit about how, how it's benefited the past and your destination to be able to have it as its own brand. So I think, you know, you look at what we went through the last couple of years with COVID and finding those, you know, opportunities uh, that may have presented themselves. 
And we had a group, uh, we called it the Northwest Ohio group. And it was a group of CVBs with our Visit Northwest Ohio group that got together and said, hey, we need to take every asset that we have in our region and shine a light on it to draw visitation here. And we all kind of have a unique thing that we offer. Uh, some are more urban, some are more rural, some are more vacation land type uh, setups around the shores and islands. But how can we all work together? And that's what got us thinking here in my office was, you know, here's this Bandwango platform, but let's use this product, not be selfish about it, but let's use it in a way that will get them you know, get these visitors to Northwest Ohio first, and then we can, then the gloves can come off and we can fight it out uh, as they get closer. But that was the thinking behind that. So if I'm understanding correctly, that trail then transcends multiple destinations, right? Like it's not just a destination Toledo thing that it, it goes, multiple destinations benefit from this pass. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, within this, you know, dozen or so county area that runs from the Ohio-Indiana line, you know, up by the Ohio-Michigan line over to uh, Sandusky, Ohio and the Cedar Point Amusement Park and, you know, that vacation land area that's about 45 minutes east of where we're at, it ties it all together. uh, So when folks come to visit, uh, they can even hub in one spot and spoke out to the others, but it truly gives us all something to say, hey, you know, we have a really cool craft beer scene going on here, uh, along with a foodie scene. Let's tie this together and let's all just tell the same story, the same narrative, uh, and use that as a way to draw people here to the region. Now, is it fair to say that 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 was a little bit of a logistical nightmare to get all the destinations on the same page to put that together? Or were you able to get the collaboration pretty easily and and do it pretty seamlessly? It may be hard to believe, but it was pretty seamless. And I think it's just because we had that Visit Northwest Ohio group that was working together outside of COVID or just bringing, you know, using that as an opportunity to hit pause and say, hey, how can we all work together? And it's and it's working. You know, we it's been successful. Like I said, we're wrapping up the first year here in June, and then we'll be kicking off the second year with that 419 Ale Trail. I think it's really impressive that you guys have been able to collaborate so well because I don't see that in every destination across the com- country. Obviously, I've seen some great collaborations out there, but it it's hard to find that many people that can work well together and put something together that transcends destinations. You know, and, and maybe I cheated a little bit having served on the board uh, for, you know, Shores and Islands, Ohio, to where I have some great relationships and a trust factor already, you know, having worked with that group. But, you know, we always laugh, too, and we say, hey, you know, as the visitors get closer, we are going to fight it out and uh, (laughs) get them in our respective places. But, you know, when you're out there competing, we have such great regions, uh, not just within the state of Ohio, but, you know, throughout the Midwest, throughout the United States and into Canada. uh, We've got to shine the light on every attraction that we have for people to come here and visit. I love it. Well, and and visitors don't see city lines, county lines, state lines. Visitors want a great experience, and and the collaboration allows you to provide that regardless of who collects the revenue. No, absolutely right. And that was the exact thinking when we rolled that into the other trail, uh, which we just launched about a month ago, the Great Lake Erie Birding Trail. And that connects all your birdwatching hotspots from Point Pelee, Canada, all the way around the Western Basin, down through Southeast Michigan, Northern Ohio, over to the Lake Erie Islands. Uh, But it was a true international collaboration on that trail. 
So you bring up a topic that I wanted to ask you about because we, we actually had this scheduled for Friday and I ended up having to change it, but you also had a major birding event starting in your destination on Friday. So I think it was it was welcome for both of us to, to reschedule that. But tell me about that event. And I mean, birding sounds like it's a pretty significant part of your traveler base. So bird watching is big business here in Northwest Ohio. Um, we're blessed with our location. It comes down to location again, right? These songbirds and the warblers are the star of the show. We are the warbler capital of the world. Uh, these warblers are flying up uh, from point south where they spend the winter and they hit Lake Erie and they're like, we need to eat and we need to rest before we fly over this lake. So they uh-huh. fall out into our, into our marshes, our woodlands uh, before they make that trip across. But along with the birds come the bird watchers. And we've got folks from all around the world that descend upon us. This week was the biggest week in American birding. It's an event that's put on by the Black Swamp Bird Observatory. They, grew it, they do an awesome job with that and we support that. So Lance, a question I have, because birding, I mean, for those that aren't as familiar with it, especially those that that may be in a destination that that's not a huge activity, they don't understand how big of a business birding is, but it's also a very niche audience. And we all have target personas, right, that we're trying to target and, and, you know, spend our money effectively to get them to come to our destination. How big of a target persona are bird enthusiasts uh, for Toledo? You know, a couple different things here. One, this is it's a preseason, it's a shoulder season that we're attracting folks in, which makes them, you know, an ideal target. The other thing we know from this demographic is that these these folks have money to travel, time to travel, and they put the effort into it. We will attract over a six week period about a hundred thousand birders to Northwest Ohio. Over that six week period, we will see a $40 million economic impact for them coming to town. And again, this is shoulder season. So this is before our busy summer season really kicks in. So it's very, it's very welcome. And again, the exposure you get on a worldwide stage, we literally have folks coming from all around the world, descending upon us to, to get these lifeless not lifeless, but lifeless birds for them to check off uh, that they see. And again, that warbler, the warbler, beautiful little songbird, weighs less than an ounce, is the star of the show. <laughs> but they're so accessible for people right off these right off these uh, boardwalks within our woodlands and the trails. Uh, it's it's huge. It's a very big thing here. That's amazing. And since it's shoulder season, each of those visitors is higher value to the destination than it would be in the summertime. So so even more welcome. Uh, that That's pretty awesome. I, I think my question is, if 100,000 people are descending on Northwest Ohio during this six-week period, how in the world do you target birders? Because it's not like they're all coming from, you know, uh, New York or Chicago or something like that. They are coming from all over the world. It seems like it would be a challenging persona to target. You know, they're very educated with the migratory paths of these birds. So a lot of it's self-educated within this group. Uh, We are very lucky to have the Black Swamp Bird Observatory at McGee Marsh. uh, And Kim Kaufman, the executive director out there, her and her husband are rock stars within that community. So as they travel the world birding throughout the entire year, they are ambassadors and the word of mouth gets going. And then you know, there's a lot of specialized apps within that community as well. So they're sharing where a lot of these rare sightings are found. Uh, it reminds me of the movie, The Biggest Year. 
And mm. as soon as, you know, a bird is found, the, the, the call goes out and everyone comes to town. <laughs> it, it's one of those scenarios that takes place here year in and year out every spring. How interesting. I mean, what that says to me is content might be the best way to reach them because they have the media, they have the following. Uh, it, it all happens kind of organically. So instead of paid media, educational material and, and interesting content is the best way to engage that persona. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you get the state of Ohio behind it as well. Uh, this Thursday uh, coming up here will be the inaugural Governor's Bird Ohio Day. Oh, how cool. Mm-hmm. So I want to pivot a little bit. Uh, I, I think that was an interesting conversation around birding. And I, I've always been fascinated with that because it's such a niche audience, but they spend a lot of money when they travel. Uh, and, and so I think it's an interesting audience. But I, I want to pivot a little bit to you have a lot of important events in your destination. You outlined a few of them here. Uh, the Solheim Cup that you had over Labor Day last year, the Elevate the Stage in February of 2022. It seems like events are pretty important to your destination. How do you focus as a destination on on getting those events and then maximizing the experience once somebody shows up in Toledo? You know, our job, you know, the way our DMO is set up is that we don't actually produce any events. So we'll step in on the sales marketing and support arm Uh, embed ourselves with those event organizers and just do the best that we can to maximize the impact of what they're doing. Uh, With the Solheim Cup, I mean, that is LPGA's largest uh, event in women's golf. It's a biennial. It was, we were so proud to have that here at our historic Inverness Club in Toledo, but we actually worked with LPGA in the state of Ohio, helping market that, uh, Two years in advance of it being here, we were over in Scotland uh, with our Toledo booth talking to folks at Glen Eagles uh, during the, the 2019 Solheim Cup. So it was that was a two year over two year project just planning that uh, we had a huge fan fest that went with that, which saw just collaboration amongst you know companies, individuals, uh, stakeholders within downtown where we threw a huge party. Uh, for, you know, once that golf day was over, what do you do afterwards? Well, we're going to have a whole festival street-like uh, fair atmosphere downtown Toledo. Uh, we had the governor come in to talk. We had a flyover of the 180th uh, fighter wing out of Toledo, flew, you know, did a nice flyover. Gwen Stefani in concert. But it's just how can we take these events, elevate them, and just get them to that next level that draws people to town? Lance, that's an interesting point that, that you're bringing up there. And I want to make sure that other destinations are hearing this that you attracted the event to the destination. And I think that's that's hard to do. You're bidding against other destinations and everything. But then once you got it, you turned it from a, an isolated event to a destination event by adding these other components to it. And and I think that's a great lesson for, for destinations that are listening, that just getting the, the event to your destination, that's the start. That's not the finish, Right. And, and by getting them to, to come to the destination, you then have the responsibility, if you want them to return and, and, and you want it to be an amazing event, to build a holistic experience around that event. And it sounds like you guys did a great job of that. You know, right when we were awarded that, uh, then LPGA Commissioner uh, Michael Wan gave us a goal. He's like, you know, a challenge. I challenge you to set a standard for this event moving forward. And that's where we got together as a community and said, how can we you know, make this into something more than just a golf tournament. And you're absolutely right. It's getting that buy-in from the community. Uh, We were all very proud here in town to show off our great city. 
I think we've got a great template, a great blueprint for some of the other events that we have moving forward to give that same kind of level of, uh, you know, experience to the visitors that come to town. That's great. I, I love that. So let me ask you, as, as you're working with the city and you're working with the different departments of the destination, what do you have to do in order to – because you can't build a, an entire event. Like you can't get Gwen Stefani in concert just by yourself without getting buy-in from other stakeholders. How were you able to lead and facilitate the things that needed to come together across multiple departments to make that happen? You know, a, a strong corporate community is essential. Uh, you need to have corporate buy-in so that they can see the value of these events and what it means uh, to the economy here, right, and be able to measure that economic impact. Uh, we utilize uh, DI's calculator quite a bit when we look at the inv- event impact calculator uh, for the events that come in. And then it's just getting to, you know, getting yourself to the table and having those discussions, whether we're sitting down with the county, whether we're sitting down with the city or the different corporations involved and saying, hey, is this something that we want? Is it something that we're going to go after? And what does it mean for those that live here? What's that impact going to be? Okay. And and getting all those, facilitating the conversation between those stakeholders. You mentioned corporate partners, and I know that Jeep is based in Toledo, and that's a really important relationship for you. How do you leverage having someone like Jeep headquartered there? Uh, and, and how do you make sure to support them as much as you can, just like you need them to support you as much as they can. You know, Jeep goes way back over 80 years here in Toledo, uh, and the Jeep Wrangler specifically being manufactured here in town. So a lot of our identity is tied around the Jeep. What's really cool, Adam, is if you if you see the state of Ohio and uh, some of the recent, you know, their marketing campaign that's out is a road trip where they're in a, a red Jeep driving around the state. And Ohio Tourism Day is coming up here Wednesday, and we're going to have a Jeep down on the state capitol lawn. So you tie a lot of just promoting that brand on a statewide level and regional level. But we've also will be celebrating the fifth annual Jeep Fest. Whether you're into Jeep or not into Jeep, it's a great street festival that takes place downtown, again, with concerts and and uh, what have you. But Jeep owners, it's a culture, it's a way of life. And uh, again, they come to town from all around the country, Mexico and Canada, to come take part of that. How amazing. And so you guys have this event. Are you, like, do you work kind of hand-in-hand with the the Jeep corporate team members? Or, or how do you facilitate that relationship? So we have, again, anywhere that we can be of support. So there's a local ad agency, a PR firm that works with Jeep in organizing this event. But we step in and offer support to them. So I'll be going with them down to Columbus when we're down on the state lawn and talking all things all things Jeep, uh, doing a big press tour on that uh, this week. Uh, again, we're, we're like that support uh, staff that elevates the, uh, the sound and the reach with what we can do. That's great. You identify who are the stakeholders that are responsible for bringing visitors to town, and then you're using your resources to augment what they're able to do and add to what they're able to do. It sounds like a pretty symbiotic relationship. It is, and it it takes a lot of people. You know, I always say, I don't worry about who gets the credit. Let's just get this done, right? And I think you go in there with that mindset, and let's all roll up our sleeves and get busy how can we get to this end goal that works? Uh, and with Jeep too, we've rolled that same kind of theme using a Jeep into our road trip campaign uh, that we did locally. So you have that whole 
comp, uh, it's kind of like a complementary type uh, thing going on between what the state's doing, what we're doing, what some of the other folks are doing, wrapped around a common theme like Jeep and Jeep Fest. Great. Great. Okay. Well, we started earlier with fishing, Lance. I want to I want to pivot back to fishing as, as we kind of wrap up the conversation. I know the annual walleye run is a big event for you. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and what it means to your destination. Oh, I love fishing. Uh, we're definitely <laughs> going to get you. We're di- we're going to get you to town and do this. I'm an avid fisherman, but uh, so Lake Erie is the walleye capital of the world. The Maumee River that feeds it's one of the rivers that feeds Lake Erie. It's the largest watershed of any of the Great Lakes rivers. Runs right through our downtown Toledo. Uh, we've got a number of metro parks, uh, which our metro parks here in Toledo were just recently named the number one metro park system in the United States. So we've got great metro parks, but you have access where you can get down into the shallower parts of the river and uh, the folks will put on their waders and they'll wade out during spring migration of the walleye. As they come out of the lake, they go into the, the river system to spawn huge fishery here. Again, people coming from all around the United States to do this, but again, it's just another kind of right of spring, uh, along with the bird watching, we have the walleye run that brings people to town. It's a, it's a rebirth. We're pulling out of winter and coming into spring and summer, but it is a huge deal here for folks, again, to catch these walleye, which are so tasty, uh, as well as fun to catch. Oh, how interesting. So, I mean, it runs right through your downtown. So are we talking at that time of year, the river is filled with fishermen? Yeah, it's so it's a little deeper, uh, so folks aren't wading out from our downtown, but you get just a handful of miles upstream uh, from where our downtown central business, business district is, and it is shoulder to shoulder as folks wade out there to, to cast their lines and catch these fish. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was picturing, I'm glad you clarified that because I was picturing in my head, you know, people lining up and down Main Street, just watching all the all the fishermen pull out walleye. It might not be that dramatic, but but it sounds like just a few miles upstream it is. Yeah, just a few miles upstream it is. And it, it, it does kind of look like that when you get to some of our smaller uh, uptown like cities that are right around us. Very cool. Well, Lance, I, I really appreciate you taking some time and, and sharing your experience with us. I think I want to wrap up with one more question, and that's that you've been doing this for a long time. You've been in the industry for a long time, and yet you're you're starting your CDME training and, and continuing to develop yourself as a leader, as a destination marketer and manager. My question is, what have you learned so far that you think would really benefit others who might be listening, regardless of where they are in their career? you know, that it's never too late to learn. We are in an industry that is constantly changing. We were just upended, you know, two years of fighting COVID, something that we never, I don't think any of us ever thought that would ever happen, something that would just totally shut our industry down. But as I tell my team here, I'm like, you know, it's these challenges that we face today that are going to become our strengths for tomorrow. And just always keep an open mind, be a sponge, It's never too late to learn, continue to learn, continue to embrace new technologies, embrace change, and just follow your passion. I have a passion for this industry, and that's what keeps me excited about it. And uh, it boils down to service, though, and taking care of that that visitor and providing that level of customer service that I would want. Great. So it sounds to me two priorities here. One is once you feel like you've made it, you're probably in trouble. You need to always, always be learning and progressing and, and getting better. And then the second is make sure you're providing an incredible visitor experience. Is that a fair sum up? That's great. 
That's why I listen to your podcast, Adam, every time one comes out. <laughs> oh, that's kind of you to say, Lance. Well, I, I do appreciate that you listen so much, and, and uh, it was fun to meet you in Dallas. I hope to see you again. I won't be at the—I'll be at the convention in Toronto, but I won't be at the CDME training because the CDME training is during my anniversary, and I'm not going to— I'm not going to miss it for that, so uh, I'll have to delay my training a little bit. Well, happy anniversary, and uh, I'll try to catch you at uh, the convention somewhere. Sounds great. If people want to learn more about you, Lance, or Toledo as a destination, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so you can visit our website, visittoledo.org, or just Google Toledo, Ohio. Uh, we're pretty we're pretty well optimized in that search. Uh, I can be reached at lance at visittoledo.org. Uh, or look me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Yes, you are. I actually, I, I admire how active you are on LinkedIn because uh, I, I feel like I know more about what's happening in Toledo than I do destinations a lot closer because I'm on LinkedIn a lot and, and you definitely do a good job of keeping the news out there. So I think that's a great place to connect with you. Great. It's working. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lance, thanks again for your time. Really, really value and appreciate it. And uh, yeah, wish you the best in Toledo. I'll have to get out there and catch some walleye. We'll do it. Thank you, Adam. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. If, if you enjoyed today's show and want us to be able to continue to bring you great guests like Lance, please make sure to leave us a rating or a review. Helps us to grow the show and continue to bring you content that will help you get better in your destination. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.